0: There. Good morning, church.
1: Today's reading
0: is from Exodus uh, chapter 24, verses 7 and 8. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. I was a little slow turning my mic on there. That's on me. But uh, yeah, good morning. Great to... See you all here this morning, and um, if the scripture reading there didn't get you excited to wonder where we're headed with this, I don't know what will, right? Throwing blood at each other. Um, Actually, God, well, we'll get there. There might be a demonstration involved. I don't know. Um, Speaking of blood, though, um, how's that for an intro? No, um, South Africa won the Rugby World Cup yesterday. No, we got a couple guys here that play rugby here for the U of A and are from South Africa. And I have spent... My mom's actually from England. That's who they beat, which I got to admit I was torn. But I've actually spent more time in South Africa than I have in England. So I was, I was happy either way, right? Um, hey, my name is... Dave, if uh, you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I I don't always start that way. Um, but also, just yeah, good to, good to see you, good to have you here, to be a part of our church this morning. Um, I also want to give everyone a, a heads up. I have a speech impediment. It'll kind of come in and out as, as I go. And I uh, just want to make sure that you all know what that is. And um, go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter... Well, we'll be in 21 through 24, so, um, we're going to start out in 24, but then go back to 21. So, we have a lot to cover this morning, so go ahead and turn with me in your scriptures um, there, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, would you raise your hand up high and keep it up, and we will get you a copy of the Bible. As we said, there's a lot to cover, so hold it up, keep it up, um, somebody will get you one. E Si necesita la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estemos, estamos en Éxodo. So, um, again, we're going to get into our time. We've got a lot to cover, so I'm trying to give um, some more, like, handles for kind of how we're going to walk through some of these things this morning, and also next week when we get into the building of the tabernacle, which for some people, they were like, that's the most exciting thing about us going into Exodus, not what's in God's Word about the tabernacle, but more, how is Dave going to struggle through the, all the instructions on the tabernacle? Come back next week, okay? you see that. So... Um, But this morning, as we continue in the law, okay, I want to give us some framework for how we're going to walk through this. And this is the the big idea is that through the law, God reveals His character. He cares for His people, and He provides a way for faithfulness, all right? So that's um, what you see there. That's how we're going to be walking through it this morning. So let me go ahead and pray for us and ask the Spirit to lead us through our time in, in the Word together. Lord, we, we come before you, and we recognize that we need you. Um, we do thank you. There's a lot of good stuff going on, even as um, Joe went through tons of announcements earlier, just a lot of good things, exciting things to be a part of, ways that you're at work, ways that you're, um, again, as he said, reconciling us to you, and then through the good news of Jesus, also reconciling us to each other. And um, as we just sang about, and and we know that ultimately you have put an end to death, and we thank you for that. Um, And we also acknowledge, though, that the good news of your kingdom has not come yet in full, where the reality of death is still very much among us. Having been at a memorial service earlier and, um, and then just being reminded even people in our own congregation who we love who have passed away and um, we know are with you and we rejoice and then we also though grieve um, again the, the enemy of life is death and so thank you that you are in control or that you're good and yet we also again come acknowledging we don't always know how to live in light of the hope we have in you So even as we walk through perhaps a seemingly obscure or difficult text that involves someone throwing blood on other people, Lord, we pray that that will, that you will, through our time together in your word, by your Holy Spirit, lead us to the hope we have, the foundational hope we have in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. So as I said, go to 24. That's where we're going to pick right off um, in uh, Exodus chapter 24. In verse 3 is where I'll, I'll start there. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And there's a sense of excitement there. There's a sense of m- m- motivation, of commitment, as the people declare. We'll obey all the rules. Well, how do you feel about rules? Right? How do you feel if someone comes down and says, I've got all the rules. Are you ready? Right? Most of us kind of flinch at that. Most of us are like, uh, I don't know. I don't really know about, you know, rules aren't really my thing. Um, I think in our culture, for most of us, Some of us love rules because it makes us better than others, we think. Like as we obey those rules, it kind of puts us, elevates us over. But I also think it's only because we're kind of buying into a greater system, right? But for the most part, we don't like being told what to do. Well, God's rules, His law, as we even began to hear about last week with the Ten Commandments, right the the most famous of his r- rules if you will there's this sense of um God, like, if we pull those out of context and just look at rules in and of themselves, and even sometimes we read God's Word through the sons, we get really disoriented and confused. And then we build a lot of assumptions, and then we even say things like, well, back then, our relationship with God was all about obeying the rules, but rules are horrible, and we all know that. So thankfully, Jesus comes, so we don't have to obey the rules. And now, it's all about His grace, His undeserved grace favor, and we can just go on and do whatever we want, because we're just covered, you know, cheap grace and all this. And we we go through all these silly progressions because we don't read things and understand God's Word as He gives it to us. Okay, this, when He gives rules to His people, it comes in the context of relationship. All right, as we've been saying the last few weeks, this idea is this, that for the whole first part of Exodus, um, we've seen God saying, I've made you my children. I've chosen you, not by anything you've done or by anything that you deserve, I've set you free. You've been in bondage, you've been in slavery, I've set you free, I've taken you out to now be a part of my family. You're my children, I'm your father. And now, beginning last week, this is what it looks like to live as my children, Okay, so something that helped me come to mind with this, um, there was a, a family when I grew up in elementary school, there was a, a family, and I'll use that term and I'll kind of explain it there, where um, I only knew the kids first, I was in probably third, fourth grade, and they were um, all a part of the foster care system, and, they're, and they were a part of my school sometimes and then sometimes not. And I did, again, as a kid, I didn't fully understand all this stuff. Well, I got to go over to their house for a sl- sl- sleepover um, one year, and uh, it was for someone's birthday, and we're there. And again, I didn't fully understand how all this was going down, but I remember their house being really fun, and also there being tons of rules, and also the parents being really, really nice right? Again, some of those things are like categorically incompatible, right? Wait, fun, rules, nice. How does this work together? My house was not, was tons of fun, usually not a bunch of rules, especially for me being the youngest, right? Three older brothers, it was chaos, like whoever got up earliest got to eat all the cereal, and then whoever else was there was like, hey, sorry, you know, Well, again, as I've gotten older and I look back, so again, the the home that I would go to, that I became friends with, that I would go to these birthday parties and stuff and become friends with, was um, the parents were foster parents, and there were two boys and one girl who who would be there, and they would be a part of our school, and again, we were friends with them, and then I remember through just looking back now, understanding, well, different things would happen in the courts, and one time they were gone for like a whole year, and then all of a sudden they were back. And that's when I became better friends and was over there and was hanging out with them. And I things like this, we'd be eating around the table and you had to ask permission before leaving the table. Even if you were going to go get water, whatever you were going to do, whatever it might be. And there were certain ways, and again, this is like a birthday party. We're over there eating, we're having fun. The parents were so nice, so generous, but you had to ask things like, may I please be excused? And then they would ask, well, what for? And, well, I'm going to go do this, and I'll be right back. And then something else, like, um, can I please have some more corn? And they would say, like, oh, well, and, and there would, it would involve looking around, oh, well, um, so-and-so hasn't had any yet, so let's, let's hold off or let's wait. Looking back, there were things that these parents were doing, again, incredibly nice, incredibly generous, but things they were doing even with these rules— Somehow, again, at the time I didn't understand it, bringing an element of safety of kids that had experienced abandonment that when even leaving the table, right, could even subconsciously incite like, oh man, are they going to come back? Or there was a harsh discussion or an argument. Is this person going to leave? They can come back. These parents instilled rules to help build an environment of safety. To help reveal who they are as caring parents, with asking for more corn or more whatever, there was a sense of, listen, there's enough for everyone. We don't all just look out for ourselves here, but we're providing for you. And they were instilling, and then as time went on, I now know a beautiful story. The, the, The girl specifically got reunited with her parents She's now a foster and adoptive parent, and just love and celebrate, and so much. And they built as as much as we love too this relationship between the birth parents and the foster parents in this this relationship and this hope and this good news and kind of insert there, we are so excited, by the way, to just be a part of, we say we're gospel-centered and outward focused. We get to be a part of God's work of, again, bringing hope in such broken systems, including the foster care and adoptive and kinship um, realities, especially here in Tucson. Okay, and so that's a picture now, as I was even preparing this, I was thinking back to that, and again, it, it, until this even, and this was a long time ago, and my memory's weird, so, and, and I, looking back, as I was preparing for the sermon, I, the Lord just brought that family back to mind, and, and we actually got back in touch, and just so cool to see his, his goodness. But that, like, is one of the few times I think back to rules, and again, back then, I, I always thought, like, really nice, kind of buzzkill, like, kind of, like, this, this family, I didn't know how to make sense of it, but now seeing with greater eyes, like that's what it can look like to provide rules. I think that gives some insight into what God's doing. So two primary things that he does Again, when he gives his law to his people in this context who have been living as slaves under slavery, and then they're now sent out and they're being formed and shaped as a people who relate with God, relate with one another, relate with themselves, relate with the world around them, God gives his law to, again, reveal his character and care for his people. Okay, let me... Um, uh, say, say, Theologian, author D.A. Carson gives us this quote to help us understand what someone's doing revealing their character, specifically God revealing himself through his law. By its very nature, law, or again, think in our context, rules, function to reveal the character of the one giving it. In other words, whether concerning idolatry or the fair treatment of slave girls, Specific laws would make a public statement concerning the Lord's character. By its very nature, the law makes God known. Okay, and just again, remember now, as we've walked through Exodus, he's revealing himself to his people. He's making himself, this is the kind of God I am. I'm your father. You're my children. These are the things I care about. And he's also, through his people, same as his plan is this day, he's revealing himself to the world around Okay, to everyone, to Egypt, to the Hittites, the Philistines, to all the other nations, God is using Israel to be trophies of his grace, okay, to be be a light to the nations, all right? Through his relationship with his people, he's revealing who he is, and he uses his law to do that. Again, and I don't want to act like I've always known this, like I admit throughout this series, God has been reorienting and renewing an appreciation for his law, for his rules, and then he also cares for his people, and now this is something that, um, this is now back to chapter 21, all right, and we're going to blow through these few chapters, and I feel weird saying that about God's word, right, about the Bible here, but there's so much to cover, and at the end of this time right now, walking through this, I will give you some help, okay, some helpful instructions for how to go back and read through God's law, and I encourage us all to do that, okay? Read through the Bible. Don't just take my word for it, our word for it. That's why if you don't have a Bible, I gave you a chance. No, you can still get one, right? We have some out there. We want to get a Bible in your hands. I want everyone to have one, all right? But this, as I walk through right now, the big idea, again, is we look at chapters 21 through 23 are specifically God caring for his people through law, all right? So as we do that, I'm going to just walk through um, a few different examples. I think I have like six examples. And something that we've again said the last couple of weeks, and actually Stephen quoted last week, is this sense of God in Exodus here, and Exodus means like departure, right, or journey from. In, in God's, through the Exodus, God's not just taking his people out of Egypt, but then now in this whole next part, he's taking Egypt out of his people, all right? There are systems, customs, ways we relate with people, ways we view ourselves, way we understand the world around us. And God is, is reforming and reorienting and caring for his people as he gives us um, his law. So, f- for example, and again, if you want to try to follow along, by all means do, but the first, in um, Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, God gives some rules about how to treat slaves. Okay, and our, our first flinches don't have them, right? Here's the first rule, no slaves. And yes, that is, I believe, absolutely biblical, scriptural. That's God's heart. And and again, there's room to dive in here and to understand, well, why didn't he just go straight there? Why didn't he just do that? Again, there's good reason for conversation there. In this section, though, in these 11 verses and throughout, God is still absolutely being radically different from every other nation on the, on the globe at the time. The understanding of slaves was completely, it's a doggy dog world, it's who has the most power, who has, what's all the no fear shirts from those of you that grew up in the 90s like me, whatever, who has the most toys wins and makes, right? In this, the whole view of, I heard one chuckle, you're welcome, right? No fear, there it is. Um, we should all be ashamed for wearing all those ridiculous shirts. But, um, see, Christian shirts are not the only ones that have really ridiculous sayings on them. Sometimes, even popular culture, like No Fear, did that too. But some okay, back to slaves. <laughs> okay, but what is God doing in this? He actually cares for the most vulnerable, the most marginalized, the most impoverished, It through his instructions here on how to go about living with slaves. And, and we have to understand, even at the very end there of this whole section, right, in verses 10 through 11, God shows his value and his care for his people by keeping families together. And in some cases, we assume that, that slaves would actually want to in this case, and again, I want, there's more conversation, is slavery good? No. But you see here, God says, "Listen, if someone is a slave and he's been married and has has um, children and, and wants to stay with." his master, then, then let there be a way for that to happen, to stay together. Let there be a way for the family to stay together, for there to be a way of provision for these things to happen. And even further um, up in verse 7, when he talks about um, if someone sells his daughter as a slave, um, he gives rules for how that is to happen. And, and just look at again, the big idea is God cares for the d- d- daughter in this case. Culturally, no one would care about their daughters, slave or not. And the fact that God gives rules even for those people who are enslaved and even for young women who are enslaved can reveal something about God's heart for the marginalized, for the vulnerable. And then picking up in, um, down in verse 22 through 27, he continues to reveal his care for the most vulnerable here. He's he's talking about again if two men are in a fight and they're struggling and and and, and, and a pregnant woman is harmed in the process, what to happen and how, how justice is to be held. Okay, that's again, that's totally counterintuitive to that day, the, the first question would be, well, who won the fight? Like who, and not just like, you know, UFC kind of deal, but no, like, well, who now has more, whatever happened, who now has more power, who won, whoever won gets to get all the, all the stuff that the other person has. Again, think through the, through the lens of more power, more might, more strength, you get what you want. And in this whole law, as we see throughout it, God is, he's turning that on its head, And in this case, no one would be asking about the the pregnant woman. If anything, they would be asking about her husband because the child and the wife and everything there would be viewed as his possessions, as his, his future, all these things, but no one is caring about, and you see here, God's heart for the unborn, the most vulnerable, the most voiceless. And then in number three there, Chapter 22, verses 1 through 6, even, protecting your home and your property. All right, this is where, and I'll make a note about this, but this could be the right to bear arms, all right? This could be, you could look through this and be like, oh, this is the right to, to defend your property. There is some of that there. And let me even pause here for a moment to say, even as I read through this, we could so easily, depending on where you fall in the political spectrum and I don't only cut on words that are like I think are going to be like not well received. I don't even know when they're going to come, okay? But on the political spectrum, there I said it, went for it, right? Like wherever you are, red, blue, conservative, you know, hear me, okay? Look at me right now. The kingdom of God blows it all up. Amen. G- hear me. Both sides. Would would have things that say Amen, Amen. That's it, and then want to be like Shh, God. Don't say that. Like we don't want the other side's going to hear that. That's their stuff. No, no, no. Just you, you, you beat this drum, and I'll be saying Amen when I do this. But then so other stuff he says here, and you see as we walk through in the past that that when Jesus ushers in his kingdom, the early church was known for five things um and 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 the right would uh, in in our day would be like yeah yeah amen you know sexual ethic and this kind of thing uh, amen that's that's our thing we have a conservative you know social view and then but but it's like oh but he also cared for um racial reconciliation and for social injustice. Oh, those, that doesn't always go to, with one another. And then the one that just makes everyone uncomfortable is generosity toward others, especially enemies. Like, whoa, none of us are all about that, right? And so we see that here, even as we walk through, even in the Old Testament, by the way, all God's Word, same God, same work He's doing, same thing, what it means to be his people, always by grace. I just want to point out, it's not oh, Old Testament, whatever, You know, forget all that stuff and just move on. Hopefully we see him and his character and his care revealed all throughout here. So in this case, also I just want to point out there in those verses, verses 1 through 6, in the context of talking about defending your property and if someone breaks in and steals and things like that, In that context, even there, he's looking out for the vulnerable. Okay, because only the wealthy and powerful would have these kinds of rights. All right. The the if you were poor and someone more powerful, more wealthy came and took from you, your word isn't really worth much. Theirs is. And the fact that God gives rules and laws and instructions for everyone that are far reaching, not just for the most powerful and privilege is incredibly countercultural even in their day. Okay, God is all about establishing his rule, his reign, his character, his kingdom. Not just giving us in different parts in, in you know protecting the powerful or giving us kind of things to again beat our drum on. He says, "No, you you conform to me." Okay, God says, "I'm God, you're my people." And as we often say and I want to continue to say We can take comfort in knowing that we're all going to be uncomfortable together. If something makes you uncomfortable and then something else makes you say amen, it's probably going to be true over here too, but just reversed. All right, And we all need to just, again, take comfort in knowing that that God is forming us and shaping us as a people. And just if it's not uncomfortable enough, I'll keep going. Number four, protecting the sojourner or the immigrant. Wait, I thought you talked about the right to bear arms a couple minutes ago. You can't, that can't be compatible. It is. Okay, God has a heart for, again, the most vulnerable. He says, remember, you were once sojourners. And then this language, I've set you free, I've blessed you in order to be a blessing. It's not all about, but aren't they going to take from us? They? No. Okay, God's heart, and this isn't going to be the now I'm going to get on my hobby horse and go and beat this stuff. Okay, I just want to bring us before God's word. As he reveals his law, he's revealing his character. He's revealing himself. He's caring for his people. It includes all the things I said before, and it includes protecting the immigrant, the sojourner. Number five, he protects the poor. Okay, this is um, verses, chapter 22, verses 25 through 27. As you read there, I think this is things like puts an indictment on us, on our culture today with like, Payday loans, payday lending. Stuff where entire demographics of people are kept in um, lower socioeconomic standing because of injustice. And thousands of years ago, God reveals His law in protecting people, protecting people who are poor, giving a way to grow, to to be set free from financial slavery. Right, And we think we're so woke and with it today in our culture. No, we don't have things like that. We don't, we don't have slaves. Man, every street corner, we have a payday loan center. And it's very similar to this, what he's getting at here in verses 25 through 27 about ways that giving astronomically high interest rates and all these kind of things can keep, can keep people impoverished, enslaved. Okay, God cares for the poor. And then lastly, and Stephen talked a ton last week about the Sabbath and about God's giving of the Sabbath, and his Sabbath is a good gift, right? Remember that God is God and that we are not, and and, and rest in him continually. Rest every week. Rest on every season. Rest. But again, the idea in that day would be like, well, of course, like, we're going to sit back on christmas and we're gonna have this huge thing and we're gonna we're gonna have our family over we're gonna have dinner but man if someone forgot the rolls walmart better be open all right so i can go get them okay that kind of mentality right i know i'm a little uncomfortable i do that almost every year right i'm a pretty forgetful person and stuff but we see here there's a sense of god saying no rest is for everyone sabbath rest even the animals are included Okay, that God, again, this is, this is mind-blowing. No, no, no. Rest, okay, it's a good thing. I finally believe that. Okay, it's, rest is good. But like all the, all the TV networks that provide the football for me to watch, what they should be working and all the stores that I can go to at my convenience and all the people, whatever I want done, right, wherever I sit right here, everyone else that I consume from should just continue to provide for me. And I—that's a huge conversation. Good luck with that. RCs, all right. Get involved with the redemption community if you're not. That's where we talk about those things. But seriously, like the big idea, though, we get from this is God again is caring for the most vulnerable, the most marginalized. He's forming His family, and He's not just saying the firstborn or the best looking or the best athlete or the smartest—that's my kid. I look out for them. All right. He says, "No, you're my people." You're my family. This is how you relate with me. This is how you relate with one another. And then, um, let me just give you, uh, again, as, we, as I now switch, I want to give you some, some kind of handles. If you do go back, you take for it, and you read through the law, the whole law. The Westminster Confession gives three types of laws for us to kind of think through, to walk through. There are moral which the Ten Commandments we, we looked through last week and some of these, um, those are always the same. This is who we, what it means to be a human and how we relate, um, how we function and live as humans. There are ceremonial laws, which is how we relate with God. And then there are also civil laws. and In this context specifically, I'm going to do these things that will make you stand apart from all the other cultures and communities and nations around you. He gives civil laws. And let me just say in all these, again, Jesus fulfills all of it. Some of it, specifically like civil and ceremonial laws, are no longer necessary, no longer needed, but, but the heart of it we should still dig into and look at, oh, how does Jesus make this seemingly weird and obscure ceremonial law? How, how does he uh, bring that into light? How does, how does my worship grow by understanding this law in its context and how what Jesus has done now gives me full and free access to God? Again, think blood earlier. Okay, how does, how does blood poured out, how does that in this context now relate to my worship, my hands raised, when I'm singing on Sunday morning in 2019? And God gives his laws, not because he's a buzzkill, not because he wanted some really weird parts of scripture for us to zone out on. Okay, God gives his, his law because he's, care, he's a caring father. He wants to care for his people and reveal his character, and then in this next section, now in chapter twenty-four, right? God makes a way for covenant faithfulness. He provides a way for his people, for his people to be faithful. People—that's not, not the that's a Catholic term. It is means father. Sorry. Um, okay. So, but God provides a way for his people to be faithful, and again, that's a big deal. Okay, if you're in any kind of a relationship, right, you're, I, I talked earlier, if, if that home I mentioned earlier that I went to in elementary school, if that was structured such as, sorry, you didn't, um, you, didn't, you didn't ask for permission before you went and got some water, you're out. You didn't ask for more corn, you just took it, and so-and-so and so hadn't had it yet. You're done. All right, that, that's smothering, that's exhausting, that's terrifying. Okay, And God always, hear me again, even in the Old Testament, when he gives his law, he provides a way for faithfulness okay, to secure and establish our relationship with him as our father and with each other and with him together corporately as his children. So now, um, as we talk about covenant, okay, that's not a word we throw around a ton, right? We try to here, um, you know, use that within our church. We have membership Covenant, we have things like this. Well, Stephen gave a definition of covenant for us last week. It's a chosen relationship in which two parties make binding promises to each other. Okay, so with that understanding, as we hear context now, we read, pick up with me in chapter 24, verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant. Okay, that's Moses. He took the covenant, the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will be obedient. Everything we just heard, all that God has said to you, we will do it. We will be faithful. And yet if you know more of the story, if you've read along, they're not. And again, I, wanna, I want us to, to, to kind of in some ways maybe deconstruct or undo some of our thinking, some of the lenses through which we understand God's word as we think of, okay, back then... You related with God by keeping all the rules. You were in a covenant relationship where God said, I'm your God, and you will be my people if you keep all the rules. And then the people who were foolish and selfish, um, they said they would do it, but they didn't. And then, you know, they were kind of stuck. So God had to go with option B, so he sent Jesus. Right? That's how a lot of times we understand these things. But again, even there in this covenant relationship, God is calling people and he's revealing himself. He's calling his people into a relationship with himself. And when they say, we will do it, they were not just fully, foolish, silly people we can just disregard and dismiss. Okay, I don't know about you if you've made some promises that you really intended to keep. Okay, what comes to mind for you? I know some of our youth are going up on Mount Lemmon for a youth camp in the winter. Some of us have been on different trips before, different mission trips maybe, different conferences, different things. I'm still like this, okay? I um, I think I have to—a quick side story, by the way, that, where God just put me in check, okay? It kind of rebuke slapped me one time, where I was thinking about, um, okay, like— tattoos, being cool, and, you know, trying to, as I get older, I'm almost 40, by the way, in a couple weeks, and just like, okay, like, here goes, you know, like, basically life's over, right, 40, old man, and, um, I, you know, I should get some more tattoos and just be cool, and, and, and one, I thought this idea is, like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get, like, the Hebrew word for faithful, or, no, I'll go even bigger, because Hebrew, no one knows what that means, right, so I can just, and I don't even read Hebrew, so, but I'll, you know, but, I'll get it in English. I'll get adultery, like tattoo. This is a true story, by the way. This confession. Years ago, though, right? Years ago. I've matured a ton since then. I'm going to get adultery written on my hand. So, like, whenever I'm tempted with the internet or with a relationship or whatever, I'll, like, I'll be hardcore and ironic and I'll have it there. And that'll, like, that'll remind me to just, you know, like, to f- finish strong, you know. You know, when I hit forty, when I'm done, right? And God's like, all right, I'm doing like, if you can see me right now, I've got my hand. I'm like looking over, and he's like, you, you have a ring on, um, that's supposed to, like, serve as a reminder. And you have a lot of things, you know, you have a wife in bed, like next to you. She should remind you. Like, do you need, a, you know? And again, and in and in, it just, I say that a to hopefully break down, like. I can be really dumb and really um, <laughs> welcome to the, my mind sometimes. Um, but also, like, we can look at these people, the Israelites, and just think how silly they were. And they, but it was stuff like this, like, really genuine all right? Like, I'm going to do this. I remember things, and we've talked about this before. Some of us that grew up back in the day with, like, CDs. If you grew up in, like, a Christian environment, and you went to a youth camp, and you came back, and you burned all your non-Christian CDs, and had a big bonfire, and then, you know, all your friends that, like, didn't happen to go to camp that year were like, dude, I did that last year, too, and I'm trying to rebuild my collection. I wish wish you would have just given it to me. (laughs) Like, that's man, but hey, whatever, good for you, you know, and then thank God's like, I'll give you Spotify in like 10 years, so you're good. You're good. You can download, you can delete it, then re-download it, like next day, all right? You actually need the spirit for discernment, okay? You can't just throw it all out, and um, it's not that easy, but seriously, like that's the kind of thing, and I've made all kinds of these things. I could, again, tell you more stories. I think I've given enough, right? I've confessed enough today. But just tons of stories that now as I look back, it's like almost cringeworthy. But the heart of there, the genuine desire to be faithful is there. God has given that to his people. He's made us to be in relationship with him. He's designed us for faithfulness with him. And yet the reality is his people and you and I, outside of his intervention, are trapped Okay, or to use the language of Exodus, enslaved. Okay, we need to have a desire, we, we need to be set free, and we need to be empowered to be faithful. And in and of ourselves, we can't do that. Okay, we're, we're helpless. We're helpless. Right? And in our day, again, of a lot of us who love rules or are very proficient in our context, we have a lot of self-made people, we work hard, we do all these things, we can, we can say that with our mouth. We can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I need God's grace, you know what? But functionally, practically, we believe, like, I got this. Okay, but, but God knows our, our desperate need, and that's why in Jeremiah 31, okay, again, same God But he continues to reveal, listen, I'm providing for you. It's always been through my provision, and it always will be through my provision. Here's what I have in store for you. In Jeremiah 31, to his people who have just been really unfaithful, and God reveals his plan to them. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, right? We just heard them be like, we'll keep it. Well, we find out, right? Spoon. Spoiler alert, okay? They break it. The one that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Again, there you see the economy of God's people, of his family. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Again, God's people always need to be set free and always need to be empowered in order to be faithful. And outside of his intervention, we're hopeless. And again, I want to connect the dots. This has always been the case. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, when the first covenant, the Adamic covenant, or the, the covenant through Adam that God declares will come, and he gives the pro euangelion the first gospel, he says, listen, this is what is going to happen. It's still dependent on his faithfulness. Okay, He says that he will raise one up whose heel will be bruised by the serpent, but through that one, the head of the serpent will be crushed. That is the promise of Jesus many, many years from that point. But even then, that first covenant is dependent upon God's intervention, upon God's provision. Okay, the next covenant with Noah. Similarly, this is just exciting. Okay, we need to grow to learn these things. The rainbow, right? The sign of God's covenant. And that day is understood as the warrior's bow. Which direction does a rainbow face? Toward the heavens. Okay, this idea where God is saying, if I break my covenant, let I be subject to the warrior's bow. Okay, even then, God is saying, I will provide for you, and if, your only hope is through the, the fulfillment of my word, of my faithfulness. Even then, it is dependent upon God's faithfulness. When he makes the covenant with Abraham, again, who passes through the animals that are laying dead? It's God himself. God says, if I don't keep my covenant, if I'm not faithful, may I be as these animals are. Okay, God is saying, listen, your hope, this covenant is contingent upon God's faithfulness. The same is true here in the Mosaic covenant. And then the same is true for you and me today. Our only hope for faithfulness is through God's provision. In order for us to be faithful, we need to be set free and we need to have a power that we don't have in and of ourselves. And yet God provides. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus, which we're about to do, take communion. When Jesus administered the communion table, all right, he broke bread. And then he said this, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Okay, we read earlier about this idea of Moses sprinkling blood on the people. Even then, God provided a way that had to be done annually and throughout the year where animals were sacrificed, were killed, and then blood was spread. Okay, that God was providing a way but as we saw in Jeremiah, as we see all throughout, outside of God doing a radical work, we are not in and of ourselves able to be set free, able to be able to have the power, no matter how much we try, no matter how many tattoos we get to remind us, no matter, God, we, we are unable to be faithful. And yet God provides. God provides a way. He sets us free. He, he empowers us through his Holy Spirit to be his faithful people. So now as we close, I want to give us some application points. Okay, we've covered a ton. What do we do with this? Even as we respond, as we come forward and we take communion, what do we do with this stuff? What do we do with God's law, with God's covenant relationship? I want to just ask you a couple questions to consider. First, do you delight over God's rules, over God's laws? All right, so again, I just, again, want to be straight. When, when you think things like, Oh, remain abstinent until I get married, right? Um, handle my finances well, give, be generous, treat my neighbor well, don't tell a lie, don't steal. Do, do we view those things as just a cold, sterile list from a, from a distant maybe father? Or, or, or maybe do we understand that in the same way that in the Psalms, there's this language of delighting over God's law, because he's a good father and he's caring for his children and he's showing us how in relationship to him we can actually care for one another. And then also, are you trying by your own effort, your own power? Even if we, right, we're Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we sing songs by, but practically, functionally, what would it look like if all throughout the day, all throughout the week, you and I had just at the tip of our tongue, God, I I need you. Holy Spirit, help me to be faithful right now. Lord, I I wanna share your I wanna share the gospel right now, but I, I I'm scared. Holy Spirit, please give me the power that I don't have to do it. Lord, I'm really, really tempted, and I feel like I'm, I'm at this cycle again where I'm about to repeat something I promised and swore and declared I would never repeat again. I'm about to do it, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, whom you have sent. You've written your law on my heart. God, would you empower me and enable me by your Spirit to be faithful? And then lastly, let's consider together, what would it look like in your family, your community, your relationships. What would it look like for us to be a set-apart people, to reflect good news to the world around us? Because God is a good Father, and He provides for us. He reveals His character. Okay, He cares for us. He, show, he shows us and calls us how we're to relate with one another. And ultimately, through Jesus, He enables us, He calls us to be faithful through faith in Him. Heavenly Father, we come before you as your children. Lord, we thank you. We declare that you're a good Father. Lord, we're your children. We need you. We're desperate for you. So I do pray that through your Spirit, you would lead us to respond together. Lord, it seems crazy, but would your law even become sweet to us? Lord, would your, your rules become ways we understand you're caring for us? Lord, ways that you're revealing your character. Lord, that you are altogether different from any other, any other God, any other thing that we find our hope in, our, our, our strength, our sense of purpose. Lord, you are good, you are true, and you call us your children. So, Lord, I pray now that we would respond together to the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.